The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. We're glad you're with us as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 16. We'll continue our study and believe. I bet you um, several years ago when Randy sold that four-wheeler on Facebook Marketplace, he had no idea the guy he sold it to would baptize him in church um, several years later. And I bet you Jim had no idea that he would be doing that baptism. It's pretty amazing to think about. Um, so encouraged to hear the stories of what God is doing. And um, it just feels good to be at a celebration service of of transformation. And really, that's what we want our church to be about, is people's lives being transformed by the power of Christ. Not people trying to be good, trying to do good, but actually the power of God himself um, through the resurrection of Christ being imparted to us, that we are living lives of power and demonstration in the Spirit. And so like when we have a day like today, it feels good. It's kind of like when you Man, somebody asks you, maybe you're on a softball team or something, and they ask you how you did, and you're like, man, we crushed it. Just smoked them. Amen? You want to say, oh, we did all right. We got, we got knocked out. You want to be able to say, we crushed it. And when somebody comes up and tells you, you crushed it, you just feel good, man. You feel good inside about how well you've d- done. And that's, that's the kind of the way I want to live for the Lord, man. I want to know that it, when it comes to me as a husband, that, that my wife can say that I crushed it. And my kids, as, as a dad, they would look at me and, and later on in life, when they look back, I hope that they can look at my life and say, man, dad, you crushed it. Um, that's the way I feel about my father. I, I hope as a pastor uh, of the church and leader of the staff that, that you guys could say, man, you, you crushed it with the way that you lived. And I want you guys to be able to say that same thing. That's why I have so much passion about teaching you the word is I want you to be able to uh, live a life where your wife and your, your parents or your children or people you work with, man, they just say you're crushing it. Um, for the Lord, and they recognize that there's something different about your life. And so I think that's what Paul is trying to do here a little bit when we get in Romans chapter 16. I started unpacking that chapter. We've done 15 of the chapters of the book of Romans. You get to this one, it's got all these names. You're like, what the heck am I going to do with that, man? Like It's just like kind of like going through the genealogy. Sometimes you don't see a lot in them. But as you sit with the Lord and he begins to show you something, I think these people were crushing it, and that's why God or by, why Paul talks about them. And they actually get memorialized in the Word. If you think about the Bible and all that it teaches us about the infancy of the church from the book of Acts and, and the Gospels and the letters that we have, we don't really know a lot of people. Like, there's not a whole lot of people that we know. We know the apostles, and some of them, we don't know very much about them. We know others better than we do. Uh, you know, we, we certainly know more about um, John and, and, and Peter and, and some of the others that we know more about. But you get some uh, Thaddeus. We don't know a whole lot about him. We don't, we don't know a whole lot about, about, about the people in the church itself. And so it's very interesting that these people get listed And I think, again, Paul is saying, man, these people right here, so he's sending this letter to Rome, and he's writing it, and he's he's recognizing that he's never been to this church, right? 
But he knows some people he's done ministry with along the way, and they've landed there in Rome, and they're helping in the the, uh, movement forward with the gospel in this church that is located in Rome. And he, he begins, and he says, man, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrea. And I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So he starts with Phoebe, and it's like, man, she's, she's helped a lot of people. She's crushing it. Then he says, greet Pr- Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the, uh, uh, of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. These people, man, like Priscilla and Aquila, we see them several times in the, in the uh, pages of Scripture. And, and they, they're uh, like a power couple in the church, man. They're just getting it done. They're crushing it. Even to the point they got a dang church meeting in their house, man. I'm having the staff over today uh, for, for a little lunchtime. And we're stressed about that. Like, they had a church, man. The whole church is meeting in their house. Now, granted, it hadn't gotten as large. But just think about how open they were were and the Lord using them. And Paul saying, man, greet these people because they're crushing it for the Lord. He says, greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. He's like, greet this bro, man. I remember when I went into Asia and Paul was all about taking the gospel into areas that it had never been preached before and telling them what Jesus had done. And he remembers that when he went into this province of Asia, this guy Eponidas, man, gave his life to Jesus. And every time somebody gives their life to Jesus, we're all wondering, man, is this serious? Like, did something really happen in this person's life? We, we believe it has, we think it has, but it's not until some time goes by and we can see, man, the, the word is taking root in them. And, and, and Paul is like, man, this bro, I remember when I led him to the Lord and I'm not even around him anymore. And he's gone to this church and he's helping you guys. He, he's crushing it for the Lord. And he says, man, uh, he says, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. He says, they are as outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. He's like, man, these, these people even spent time doing jail because they believed in Jesus, and they were in prison with me, and I can vouch for them. They are outstanding among those who have been sent out to teach the gospel. He's like, man, they're crushing it. He says, greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statius. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. He says, man, this bro evidently had been through some things that had tried his faith. He had been through the fire, and it had refined it. He says, this guy, he is crushing it. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Now he doesn't say greet Aristobulus. Why? Because probably Aristobulus was not a believer, but during this time there were a lot of servants, household servants. And it wasn't slavery like we know slavery in the history of our nation. It was it was a little different, but when a person died uh, uh, that owned an estate, it would go to the emperor and it would still retain his name, but all of the servants would stay in that home 
operating it in that household, taking care of everything, but the proceeds would go to the emperor. And so these people in that household, evidently some of them were believers. And that's how the gospel started to penetrate the leadership even of, of the Rome, Roman emperors and, and, and people throughout that region who were thought of more highly, if you will, in society. He says, greet them, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. There's another household we see. He says, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Man, these women, their names mean, um, the character of their names mean delicate and dainty, which probably means that their parents were well-to-do. Their names also, uh, Tryphosa, I believe, carries the idea of luxurious living. And so their parents, usually you would pick a name, kind of what that, that, that talked a little bit about what your family was about. And that's what these girls were set out to live a life of luxury, but they left that life of luxury of comfortableness and coziness and, and, and started serving the Lord Jesus Christ and taking the gospel. And they were crushing it. Paul says, greet my dear friend, um, Percy's another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus looking for a biblical name moms to be. There's your one right there. Never met anybody named Rufus. He says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Most likely when Paul was uh, left Judaism, and he turned his back on all of the uh, uh, Pharisees and uh, uh, the, the Sanhedrin, what it had stood for, very prominent position, when Christ touched him and, and spoke to him and, and appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he had been fighting against everything that was Jesus, and he did a 180, and he gave his life to Jesus. Man, his family ostracized him. When you were a Jew and you did that, uh, that's why they had to take care of each other, we see in the book of Acts, is because it, it created economic hardship. You couldn't work in the community anymore. People turned their backs on, them, on each other. And, and so this, it, Paul said, man, um, uh, Rufus's mother was like a mother to me, and I think he means that. Who is this guy, Rufus? Well, most scholars would agree this is the son of uh, Simon, um, that was uh, charged to carry Jesus's cross. And the reason theologians believe that is because when Mark wrote his gospel, he wrote it to, from Rome and, and this is being sent to Rome. And so why doesn't he mention Simon? Probably Simon's no longer living. But, but that impact he had with Christ on the uh, cross, man, it, it had such an impact on him that he ended up becoming a follower of Jesus. And, and he started with, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and in the, and, and, and he transitioned to uh, becoming a follower. And then here is his son and here is his wife after his passing. And they're still following the Lord. And Paul's like, man, that family is crushing it. Greet those people, man. They are getting it done for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, um, greet uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, but you guys just go with it. Okay, greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, uh, uh, Patrobas, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. 
Man, you read that, you're like, whoa, man, Paul, he's, he's been teaching us all of this theology, and then he just starts calling out these brothers and sisters in Christ who were actually making it happen. And he's recognizing, man, they're, they're filled with the fire of the Lord. And the first thing that we need to take away if we're going to be people who are like that, people in the kingdom who are crushing it, is we need to be good at greeting one another, greeting the body. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I don't want you coming in and starting to kiss me on the cheek, all right? but I don't mind a holy high five here and there and a good handshake. And, and what is he talking about? Well, the Greek word is um, aspazomai, and it means to greet, to be happy about, to welcome. When you see somebody, you're happy about seeing them. You're not like, oh gosh, that person. <laughs> you're like, man, it's a brother in the Lord. And, and you greet one another and you welcome one another. The idea of celebration and, and, and again, just kind of thinking of, man, when I, when I greet a brother or sister in Christ, there's a holiness about that that the Lord um, is a part of. And, and one of the things I love about this passage here is the significance that women play. And I kind of skipped over Phoebe intentionally because Paul often gets a bad rap. Uh, people, liberal people, liberal theologians sometimes and other people and culturally want to say that the apostle Paul was a misogynist, that, that he looked and looked down upon women because he talked about um, how that, you know, the woman should, should, uh, submit to the husband and so on and so forth. And, and so he kind of gets a bad rap because Paul is just writing this beautiful picture. He's painting a picture of how a family and a home should submit to Christ. And when the, the husband is doing that and the wife is able to do it and the kids are able to do it. But here we see, man, we see what Paul thinks about women in the church. I mean, he, he lists so many women, and Phoebe is, is the one he starts with, and he doesn't just mention Phoebe. He deals with a single woman. He deals with a married woman. He deals with a widowed woman. He deals with young women and old women. Just covers the gamut. And this Phoebe, her name meant radiant, and her character proved to, to match her name because she was trusted with taking the most important theological letter that we have in the New Testament. It was given to this woman who was going on a journey of, for business. She was leaving Sincrea and going to Rome, and they knew that they could entrust this letter to her. Now, it wasn't like our times. It wasn't like Paul finished reading the letter. He was writing to his amunensis, uh, however you say that, and uh, the guy writing it, right? And, and so he's dictating it, and when it's finished, he didn't say, hey, go over there and slap it on the copier and give me 100 copies, and let's get this thing put out there. He didn't, no tweeting going on. They're writing on animal skin at this point, or maybe parchment. It's very expensive to buy a, a scroll to be able to write on. And so this, this was very important. Had one copy, and once it arrived at Rome, they would start to make copies of it, and that's how the word got circulated, is, is it would just continue to reproduce it. She's going to have to travel by ship. She's going to have to travel by land. She's got a long journey ahead of her. And they're like, take this, the most the important theological letter that we possess from the New Testament, Phoebe, we we can trust you with it. I mean, the Lord, the Lord's showing, man, that women had a significant role in the early church. And, and he says that many people, he said, have, she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. The word benefactor is the Greek word prostasis, and it means a patroness, a protectress, an assistant, a helper. Like that's, 
That's the idea. If we, we want to be like Phoebe and for our church to continue to achieve the mission that God has called us to do, to go therefore in this community in Overland Park and make disciples that make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we need some people who have the attitude of Phoebe, man. They go out there and they help people like these people. And I want to commend you, church. Like you're crushing it in this. And, and I want you to encourage you just to keep crushing it. We got people out there working in this information bar. Why are they doing that? They know the information about the church. They're giving up time on a Sunday morning. Why are they back there? So that new people who come into the church may find a way in which they can enter into a portal of community with other believers and they can start their journey or continue their journey in the Lord and find their place of ministry within the context of, of open, Overland Park Community Church and transformation happens. And, and so those people back there doing that are crushing it. We've got guys right now, they're in the process of developing a security team, just kind of looking out for things on campus because more people coming in and more services needed. And, and then that's just happening all behind the scenes. And I'm hearing about it and kind of responding here and there. They're crushing it. The staff is crushing it. This church is filled with people who crush it. And I want you to know, man, there are all kinds of ways for you to crush it. There are ways for you to crush it inside um, the context of the local church. And there are ways for you to crush it outside of the context of the local church when God leads you to do some things. You guys crush it when you encourage me and, and tell me that, that I've done a good job in the word, uh, word and, and, and teaching you. That, that encourages me. I got some emails this week and I'm so thankful for those, man. It just, just, just spurs me on. And, and man, I'm telling tell you, like, uh, they're just, just, they're amazing things that are happening in the midst of this church. Uh, like the stories we heard today um, uh, on the, from the baptism testimonies. Uh, I, my son this week, he's graduated. My oldest son is graduating from boot camp in the Marine Corps, and, and we're excited about that, man. We're, we're going there. We're, we're going to take the whole family. My whole family has never flown anywhere. Like two of my kids never, they've never even been to the airport, okay? They say, well, why not? Seven times a plane ticket is a lot of money, right? <laughs> I looked into a cruise one time, was going to take them on a cruise, and, and let me tell you guys that are having your families just for planning purposes, if you stop at six, you can get everybody in an estate room or something like that. You, you, can get, you don't have to get as many rooms. If you go over to seven, you have to have an extra room. They just won't even sell it to you. And so like, it's been challenging for us. We had fun. I mean, we've done a lot of lake trips and things of that nature. Um, and, and so our family has a lot of fun, but, but it's expensive to get everybody on, on an airplane and fly them across the country. And, but we felt like, man, this is a significant event in the life of our oldest son. And we wanted to be there. I wanted the whole family to be there to watch him because he's, he's, he's been challenged in his life. And I want him to see his whole family there. My mom is going, my, my brother's going, and, and his, his, his other grandma's going. And, and so we're excited. But, but so we just said, man, we're doing this. We're doing it. And we, we got the plane tickets, and it was, a, it was a strain for us. And somebody crushed it. I don't know who you are. But a box showed up at our house this week, and it was just filled with cash, enough to cover our plane tickets and the home we're going to stay in. And that's crushing it, man. Uh, I certainly would say that's crushing it. Not expecting that to come. Um, but you look at that and you go, man, this is the Lord's people listening. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what he's saying. He's like, 
Be these kind of people. Crush it. Look for opportunities, how you can serve people. And, and don't look for uh, ways to do it in which you can be patted on the back. Just look for opportunities to listen to what I'm challenging you to do and, and step into it and walk in that obedience and you will see me move and do a work in your midst. And, and that's what this passage is about. But he goes on and, and, and after he, he talks about this greeting stuff, I think he's giving, he gives them a warning. And I think he's wanting them to protect what is happening? Because you see the Lord, when he starts to do a work in a, in a body of believers, as I believe he is doing in this body of believers, then, then there are things that the enemy, he meant he, he's not going to do anything if the church is not really having a transformational impact on the uh, community that it's a part of. The enemies, there's, there's no warfare there. Leave that thing alone. Like If you ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, it's a, a younger demon being apprenticed by an older demon and, and telling him how to... Um, how to attack a Christian and get him defeated. And, and he says, man, don't mess with the guy who's going to that church. And he's just kind of going every week and he's involved in religion. That guy is asleep. He isn't doing anything that's impacting the kingdom of hell. Leave him alone. I'm going to wake him up. But the guy, man, who starts to get traction and the guy who starts to crush it, the guy who starts to see transformation in his life, and he's part of a community and two brothers and, and a couple of sisters to get together and they start experiencing transformation. That's contagious and it leaks over into other people's lives and they're, 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 they're speaking the language of the kingdom, which is a language of tra transformation, that, that new things are coming from old, that that beautiful. Uh, Beauty is coming out of ashes, and, and that uh, this new wine is available that is, is, is quenching the thirst of people in such a way that nothing else will quench. And it is, it is the, the wine of the Lord Jesus Christ himself being poured through our veins, and, and, and that's why we signify our transformation with communion, and we partake of, of the juice. It is to be symbolic of the blood of Christ that has cleansed us from our sins and made us whole and set us on a, a pathway of peace to where we crush it and people's lives are being changed and that's that's beginning you're going to feel it i've been a part of a church I, this is my second church to pastor and it happened in my last church and you could feel when it happened and i can recognize it and right now what i would tell you brothers and sisters it is it is happening in this church okay and if we will just pay attention and if all of us will live a life where we have a desire to crush it for the lord we will see things that will blow us away that we will know it was the hand of the lord that did it but Paul is saying, man, like you guys have been crushing it. And I commend all these brothers, but I want to give you a warning. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. The first thing he says is watch out. If you want to crush it, you better watch out. And the word that is used there for watch out is the Greek word skopeo. We get our word scope from it, a microscope, a telescope, a scope on a rifle. It brings things in more clearly. It magnifies the situation. He's saying, use, like, you watch out in that way. You look very intently. Not so much about um, uh, a person gossiping or complaining or struggling in the midst of the church. There's a way to deal with that. We, we kind of confront that. We go to a brother and we say, hey, you know, and if there's any offense in the church, and we work through those things. He's already talked about the essentials and the non-essentials, so he's not referring to that. He's, he's saying, watch out for heretics. 
Watch out for people who will uh, teach something that is contrary to the, the things that you have been taught from the word. What is the word? Watch out for the people who will compromise the word and begin to embrace false teaching. If you want to crush it, you got to be able to notice when it is happening. You never put yourself under someone that teaches um, uh, from something else other than the word itself. Um, and you never want to be influenced uh, by someone who is using culture and saying, well, the Bible, you know, it's kind of a moving document. No, it's not. It is never a moving document. It is what it is, and it means what it meant when it was wrote, and it still means the same thing today. And a a culture that starts to say, well, it doesn't, you're doing the very thing that Paul said in Romans, uh, the first couple of chapters of Romans, you're suppressing the truth and holding it down, and it's not long before you start to think irrationally. And so Paul is saying, look, you gotta watch out for that, and you gotta be able to learn to discern. You never allow your family to be a part of that. You watch out, and you beware of what's going on. And, and, and not only do you watch out and, and being careful to the teaching you're exposing yourself to, I, I would even say in books that you read. There, not every book that says it's Christian is a book that you should be reading because some of the books that are claiming to be Christian are written by heretics. What is a heretic? A person who's writing something that the scripture won't pay for. It's just like you begin to line it up in the word and they're writing self-help stuff. Like that's stuff you need to avoid. Um, it, it, you shouldn't listen to any teacher that is teaching. You say, well, what, what, what about all these followers that they have? Well, let's just see what Paul says. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. He says, watch out and keep away. Not only are we to watch out for them, we're to stay completely away from them. And so the question becomes, how do we recognize them? It's easy. They contradict the word. That's why the word is so important for us. That's why we have the canon of scripture that has been um, preserved through the power of the Holy Spirit as he carried men along and inspired them. They, They didn't write just what they wanted to write. They wrote what the spirit of God who indwelt them wanted written. And there was a time that the canon of scripture was closed. It ceased to be. We're not adding to the word of God anymore. Anybody who comes to you and claims to have a new revelation from God that is equal to the word of God, you need to keep away from them. Watch out for them. Anybody who's talking like that, and there is a movement of people talking like that, and it is unbiblical because we know even from the book of Revelation that when that letter was closed, it says anybody who adds to this, let all the curses that are in it fall upon that person. So he's telling us, watch out. Well, how do we watch out? How do we keep away? We're able to discern because we're in the word ourselves. And, and we recognize um, when a person becomes self-serving. That's what it says is they're not, they're serving the Lord, but their own appetites. They don't exist for people. People exist for them. The church starts to become about them and their popularity and, and, and what is happening in them. And they lose sight of the very first thing that they were intended to do is to go and focus on the people that they were there to serve. And so he says, watch out for those people. He says, uh, he said, well, man, what is, you know, I've been around some people that are really good teachers and I, and I can learn from them. And well, he says, how do they do it? They do it with smooth talk and flattery is how they deceive the minds of naive people. Just because a person has a lot of people following them 
doesn't mean that they're teaching what the word of God says. You see, there are a lot of great speakers that you wouldn't want to go and learn from uh, spiritual things from them, right? Like uh, uh, Steve Jobs is a great speaker. You might want to hear and encourage you about technology, but I don't want him talking to me about Jesus. Of course, he's not here anymore, but you get my point. There are experts in every field that we listen to, and there are lots of great speakers out there. Some of them are very entertaining, and some of them are wolves in sheep's clothing, and you better watch out because they'll claim to know Jesus, but they're teaching something contrary to the word of God. When a man stands behind a pulpit and he begins to tell you that gender doesn't matter, that marriage, what it says in the Bible, it doesn't doesn't really mean that, what? What? Watch out, keep away. Too many people, even in our community, are part of ministries like that. And they say, well, I don't really ever, I don't agree with everything being taught there, but I really enjoy the ministry and I have so many friends. Paul says, watch out, keep away. Some of you are in this church that have left that particular ministry. And so you were watching out. At one point, you heard something. You're like, no way, man, this is not right. And you're keeping away, and that's good. And there are many of our friends. I have friends, you have friends that are a part of of this ministry and others like it. What are we to do, man? We're to watch out. We're to keep away, not from those friends. We need to be looking for a way to help them because the word says that even these people are naive. And part of the, the meaning of that word is innocent. They, they, didn't, they, they are kind of innocent in what they did. They will be responsible for what they did, you know, how they stayed. Everyone's held responsible for their own actions. But the, the, the intent of, I think, what is being taught here is, is that the people have the intentions of loving the Lord and following the Lord and being true to the word, but they get deceived even in that innocence because they weren't watching out. They didn't keep away. They didn't see what happened. And so now they're victims of it and they're being swayed by flattery and smooth talk. And so how do we function in a society that's doing that? How do we continue to crush it? We watch out, we keep away. He says, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The next takeaway is to be wise and innocent. Wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Good meaning what is right, what is honorable, what is true. Evil being what is bad, what is dishonorable, what is false. Being wise about that, having the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So with wisdom and the fear of God in my mind, I am embracing things that I know are good, right, and honorable according to the word. And I'm pushing away from things that I know are contradicting the word. And I'm innocent in that in my approach. And I think what it's saying is it's the way of the Bereans, man. It's like we look and so we, we have friends that are involved in some of this. I think I don't think that uh, the, the, our job is to go to war with them. I don't think our job is to just jump in there. <laughs> don't listen to this sermon. And if you know people that I'm referring to, don't go home and call them up and say, man, I got a word for you today. This is what I learned in church. You need to get out of that place. You need to watch out. You need to keep away. Now, I do think that needs to be communicated, but the Lord is saying, be wise in it. Because if we're not careful, then people will turn a deaf ear to us. And just like um, the, Lord, like the Lord 
The Lord will work in the midst of that. He doesn't want any of his people deceived. And if there are true believers that are a part of that and they've been caught in that, then one of the things we need to do is start laying them before the Lord, just like we would a lost person who doesn't know the Lord, that an opportunity would be open for us that we could say, watch out. We could say, keep away. I think this is one thing that all of us need to memorize this verse and where it's located, which is not very difficult. It's the last chapter of Romans. Just remember, right there in the last chapter of Romans, it teaches us in verse 17, to watch out and keep away from people who are teaching things uh, that are contrary to the truth. And we do that with wisdom and innocence, and we do it by way of the Bereans. Now, who in the heck are the Bereans? Well, Paul would go through, and he would go into a different region, and the first thing he would do is go into a Jewish synagogue of prayer, and he would start teaching them the things about the gospel. He'd start talking about how Jesus was the Messiah that's talked about, that is prophesied about all the way back in Abraham, that Moses um, talked about him, that David spoke of him. And he would just show, he would take the Old Testament, and he would say, see there, this place in the Old Testament, Jesus did all of that. You see this here in Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet Isaiah that we esteem so high, Jesus, he fulfilled all that. You see how it says he's a suffering servant, he'll be wounded, um, and he'll be beaten for us, and, and that's Jesus, he would say, and he would pique their interest, man, and, and people were getting fired up about that, but it says that on one occasion, man, it says in verse 11 of chapter 17 of the book of Acts, now the Berean Jews, after Paul had taught them, they were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. They're like, whoa, that is good stuff that brother Paul is bringing there. But they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's how you crush it, man. You get in the word, even in when I'm preaching to you. I'm just preaching to you, and you're like, like, don't just trust me because I'm saying it, and I stand in the pulpit. Examine the word for yourself. As a matter of fact, that's the only thing that's going to set your heart on fire for the Lord Christ where you can crush it in your life is when you start examining the word. And you're like, well, I'll be darned. They're right there. What Jimmy is saying, I'm finding it over here too. And there's a theme, and then all of a sudden, you're going to recognize something in your own life as you're examining the scriptures, and we will sharpen one another. I love hearing you guys say, man, you were reading about something, and the Lord showed you this. I invite you, even when you have questions about things that I, I teach, I want to do my best to respond to you and, and tell you, um, where, you know, what, what I'm thinking there and why I said what I said. And if, if I say something that confuses you at some times, because I talk really fast, and sometimes things come out of my mouth, and I'm like... I can't believe I said that. And, and so like, I, sometimes I need a little grace, okay? It is not easy to keep up with the Holy Spirit. When he's rolling out of you, man, you're just going. Um, and so, so sometimes I, I, that, I welcome that. I got an email this week that I was able to respond to. Uh, and, and again, as long as it's not in, there's two ways to go about this. There's one way when you really genuinely are humble and you're asking a question. There's another way when you're arrogant, and you, there, there's always somebody, <laughs> there's always somebody who comes in the church and their first week here, you could tell, okay, I'm going to be getting a lunch appointment in about four weeks. And they're going to tell me what we're doing wrong, why we're doing it wrong, and how they know everything because they've been a part of this church, this church, and this church that has never done anything, right? And so you got, that's arrogance, 
okay? And you gotta be patient with that as well, but, but you wanna come in humility and, and that, that's iron sharpening iron and, I, and I'm thankful for uh, you guys because that's how we're supposed to do it and I would encourage you to do it. Get in the word, let it go to work in your life and let it shape you. And then Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And that's the big idea, crush it, crush it. Now, spiritual warfare is what this is talking about. This is, um, goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3.15. It was prophesied when the first human beings that were living in perfection in the Garden of Eden before sin had entered the world, what does the enemy do? He tempts them with smooth talk and flattery. Hath God really said that? You see, it's the same thing that has been happening since the dawn of time. That's what is evil is when we compromise the word of God, even to try to justify our own decisions in life. And so he's, he's, he's saying to us, he's referring back to that. And, and God said, he made that prophecy in Genesis chapter three, that the seed of the woman, even though the, 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 that the enemy would bruise his heel, he would crush the head. So a descendant that would come through this, the, the line of this man and this woman that had stumbled into sin would come and fix it all. And that's where we get all of the prophecies for the next several thousand years teaching us about the Messiah that would come. Jesus comes and perfectly fulfills all of the prophecies which is a miracle in and of itself. I'm out of time, so I won't elaborate on that. But he, it's a, he fulfills all the prophecies. And, and because he is sinless, he is God in the flesh, then whenever he goes to the cross of Calvary, he is not going as a guilty man. If, if you uh, or any one of us or myself, if we went to the cross, we would not go as innocent people for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus goes as an innocent person. He's fully God. He's everything that is God is in this man that is in the flesh. Okay? The hypostatic union of deity and humanity. They're coming together in the man Jesus Christ. And so he goes on the cross as an innocent man so that he can serve the consequences of all the guilty men and women. And so all of the sin of humanity is placed on Christ. And because he is innocent, even though he dies in three days, <laughs> the power of God is demonstrated over the power of the enemy and that God, he was raised from the dead and life re-entered him, a supernatural life that is immortal. He went from perishable to imperishable. He interacted with the several disciples for a period of several days and appeared to many in Jerusalem. And then after he had taught them some more and he would appear here and there, he ascended to go back to the Father and he charged us with the great commission, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there I am with you also. And so he crushed the head of the enemy and we see it demonstrated in his resurrection of which he has promised to be the first fruits of the resurrection, which means I have the blessed hope of the resurrection that one, two, one day I too will rise from the dead with an imperishable body like Jesus and I will 
will live to reign with him forever and ever. But as I live in this perishable body, when I place my trust in Jesus Christ and accept him as the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, then he forgives me of my sin. He indwells me. The Holy Spirit is not just floating around out here doing things and going, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit over here. He's in me. I am alive in Christ, and that's why I teach why I teach, the way I teach. I am alive in the Lord. There is a joy in me that is unspeakable and filled with glory. Like on the inside, I'm satisfied because I was dead and I came to life. And now the power and authority of Christ himself has been dispensed in my life so that when I engage in spiritual warfare and all the weapons that are described in Ephesians, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, my feet are being shod with the gospel, all these weapons that are available and at my disposal, I can utilize because the power of the Holy Spirit is in me and spiritual warfare the weapons are described there. The mode is described here. And what Christ is, or what Paul is saying to us is that in this transaction that has taken place, that divine power will crush the head of Satan, but he'll use my feet to do it. And I will crush him. And so when he rises up and I start getting off kilter as a husband and my attitude is not right, the Holy Spirit will say, whoa, 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 bro, we're operating in the realm of the curse here, and I've raised you above the curse, and I will repent and apologize in those moments and correct myself because power and authority is there to crush it. And when I'm trying to parent my kids and I don't know what to do and I need wisdom from the Lord, then I know that I have the mind of Christ and I just patiently wait for him to show me what to do, what to say, and when to say it. And then in that moment as a dad, I will crush it. And as a pastor, man, when I'm like, what do we do? The church is growing. I don't know what time the service is supposed to be. I don't know when to add another service. I don't know when we should try to look for another place or whatever, man. I just sit with the Lord and lay it before him. And eventually he will show me or others and we will crush it. That's the way you're supposed to live. You don't go to church on Easter and Sunday and say, I'm a Christian. You are alive in Christ and you have victory over an enemy that is trying to steal all of God's glory. And Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Friends, let us go forth this week and crush it in the name of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power, Lord, that runs through us. That is you crushing the enemy and using our feet to do it. Lord, I want to crush it and I want to be a part of a church that's filled with people that are crushing it. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. But I know it's only the beginning of what you want to do. And so I just pray, Lord, that we would be vulnerable with you and allow you to lead us. Some of us need to make up our minds that we're going to quit living below the curse and recognize that when we were saved, you raised us above it. 
And some in here, Lord, need to make that commitment to you that they're going to start crushing it and allowing you to lead them to be Lord. Others, Lord, may not even know you and need to um, surrender to you so they can crush the enemy in their lives. And Lord, still others just need to be encouraged this week. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to end the service with a, with a song, but we want to invite you to pray. Maybe you want to come and use the stage or the steps as an altar. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. we got people on both sides here. Maybe you just go up to them and say, I don't know. I just want to crush it, and I want somebody to pray over me. Uh, if you want to respond and come forward, that would be more than appropriate. And, and, and if you don't, that's okay. If you sit right there where you're at, that's okay. But we want you to know not to be afraid because we're all in this together. We give each other holy high fives and handshakes. That holiness of we're sharing in Christ as we greet one another and we crush it together because we could never crush it alone. And so as we enter into this worship, if you need to come and pray, I invite you to do so. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.